Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, Sharon Swing. Welcome back to the One Life Maps podcast. This is Sharon Swing, co-author along with Sybil Towner of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. And I'm here today with Joan Kelly. Joan Kelly is our Director of Facilitator Development, and we are absolutely excited to be doing this podcast. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the whys of life story. Why would we want to do this anyway? And um, so we're going to jump in by talking just a little bit about clarifying, discerning, understanding, and deciding. And this is kind of how we have been describing why people would want to join in. So in a previous episode, we talked about um, this might be for you if. But what are the benefits of life story work is where we're going to jump in today. So maybe a little bit from just right off the back of the box as we'll start. Yeah. Why don't I start by actually reading that statement that's back there? Because I think it's kind of an important Mm -hmm. one and it's easy to skip right over. It says, written from a biblical perspective, this portfolio of visual maps helps you explore the implications of the truth that God created you for a purpose and your life is most fully and joyfully lived under God's direction and guidance. As you invite God into the process and document your story, your desires, your observations and plans, in words, phrases, and pictures, you may sense God providing fresh insights, questions, or specific direction by helping you to, and then these are the four things we want to talk about today, clarify your desires, discern how your life story impacts the way you live today and your choices for tomorrow. Thirdly, understand yourself and your part in God's larger story. And then finally, decide what you might do to live a life that is a more full expression of who God created you to be. Right. I mean, there's a lot packed in that. Um, mm-hmm. The beginning and the end where it says a more full expression of who God created you to be. And at the very beginning, we say that God created you for a purpose and your life is most fully and joyfully lived under God's direction and guidance. Did you grow up believing that? No, I think I was just living day to day, going to school. I don't, no one ever, no one ever told me that, right? You went to church on Sunday morning and you sang some hymns and you said some prayers and you learned some, you know, scriptures in Sunday school. So you got your pin and one more, you know, it was based on attendance. Oh, you had pins. We had, yeah, yeah. And then just they, you got a little, little, you know, link underneath till they were going down your shirt. So. Yeah, it was more about doing than being. So there wasn't really a connection between the stories you were learning about in Sunday school and and in church and all, and your life and the implications of that. No, as much. No, no, I don't think so. It was is very much a head kind of thing too. Yeah, I think the way I took it in 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 my upbringing as well was um, there was a lot of scripture memory, Mm -hmm. which I am so wildly grateful for in retrospect um, because when I actually made my faith my own then I had this treasure trove that's true of, of, of scripture that was in me um, and no doubt God has used that to prepare me in different kinds of ways um, sometimes we pick up gifts that we don't know are gifts <laughs> early mm-hmm. on <laughs> well, he was building a foundation really right right and 
this guy's not going to waste it, right? And but this idea that God has a purpose for for us, and He's not trying to hide it. He's He's not trying to hide it from us. He's inviting us into a relationship with Him so that He can reveal it to us as we go along the way. And he seems to be very, very patient about it mm-hmm. in ways that I haven't always been terribly patient. I mean, I think he was laying down fingerprints along the way, but I don't think I had a way at that time of naming them. Mm-hmm. So, right, I saw him in creation. Creation's always been an important pathway for me. I saw him in those scriptures and the stories I was taking in, but that relationship piece, that joyful expression I think you talked about, that wasn't really there. Um, And the fingerprints were there on the other people he had around me, but it just wasn't overly named. Yeah, and I think that by the time I got to college especially, Nobody else was really interested in going to church or talking about God or anything like that. And uh, so I never found my way back to church once I left for college. It wasn't as if I felt like I was being rebellious. It was just a change of location and it just didn't end up back in my routine at all. Hmm. And But nobody would have said in the circle I was in that, God had an exciting plan for any of us. It was actually, God probably has a much more boring plan for us is probably what the perception was rolling around there. Was that maybe? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, they were, they were, our parent. my parents were not super goal oriented. They wanted us to go and achieve and be our best, but no one ever painted. And I don't think they knew about it either. <laughs> this plan that God had this much bigger plan for your life and that you are a unique expression of him. None of those words came about. Um, I did in college uh, continue to pursue going to church, but it was probably more about, there was probably an underlying, like there's something more here, but there was also a pretty big belief within me. Like that's just what you do because that's the right thing to do to be a Mm -hmm. good human. (laughs) Right. And being a good human is a good purpose, a good a good goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing wrong with no, that no, whatsoever. No. And this idea that, you know, we pick what we so much of our early years are revolve around, well, what are you going to do in college and what do you want to do after college? And and almost like there's a there's a finish line there somewhere where where okay, you're going to stop preparation then actually start doing whatever. And sometimes it just gets uh, people find their way into various different courses of study if if uh, higher education is a part of their uh, of their life or into a job because it's practical because it makes some money whether that's about making big money or if that's making about just making a living whatever that happens to be and um, there is a there I, I think the way we talk about things can distort this idea of purpose and plan. And I think that the opening of some of this was, for me, was when I ended up in a job um, at a Fortune 500 company and we started talking about vision and mission. 
for the company. And then I did my master's degree in organization development, and they were preparing us to be instruments of change. And so the self-reflection piece was really, was very heavy on self-reflection. And then what started to happen was that that idea of vision and mission started to get personal. They started asking us questions about our vision and our mission. And that was not common for the period of time I was in at all. And so when I was in my late 20s, I was asked these questions about what's your vision, what's your mission? And then that really took some thought that I'd never really turned the corner on before to explore. And, of course, I had thought about the fact that maybe I'd be good at something, um, but not that there was a a specific purpose and plan and and all that 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 maybe if i got in sync with my creator and the creator uh, the idea of a creator god that had an intention for me was not even part of that picture that had that came together later but there was enough self reflection in the midst of it that in my way of thinking, there was a piece of it that that I was actually praying at that point that God would show me what that art, what, what an articulation of that could be, and um, I don't think that that everyone in that in that group of people, my cohort, was was including that part, mm-hmm. <laughs> inviting God into the process. Mm-hmm. But I remember very specifically the place that I was sitting. Um, actually, that particular class, it was we went to school every eight weeks for eight days. And so that one was particular, that one in that particular time, we were in Vancouver. And I was sitting on a rock overlooking the ocean and the and then the and the ocean was splashing up, and I remember it being not more like I thought about it and crafted it and wordsmithed it. It was more like it was downloaded to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just sensed it was one of those times that that God really um, spoke in very very clearly to me, and. I look back on that particular experience as being so shaping in this idea that I wanted everybody to be able to have that kind of an experience, that when they invited God into the conversation, into the self-reflection, that God would be faithful to do something with that. Couldn't have put those words to it at the time. Mm-hmm. What can mm-hmm. I say? Yeah, I- I think for me, it just, it didn't happen until much later. And actually, I think when I was introduced to this material, many of these ideas of my story being a part of his story, um, my life having a specific plan and a purpose, some of that was there. But I don't think until I kind of had this, I needed a little bit of a, a structure, I think, which the maps allowed me to have to help me work and move towards some of these things of discerning and clarifying and understanding and deciding 
Right. And I mean, the subtitle of the materials are maps for recognizing and responding to God in our story. And what we don't say in that subtitle, because that's a pretty accurate subtitle about what we're about, mm-hmm. but what ends up happening as a result of engaging in reflective exercises like this is that you end up at a point in time being found in God's story. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about that. Well, being found in God's story, we should probably do a whole other podcast episode on that one, right? But this idea that all of a sudden you realize you're part of a much bigger story. It's mm-hmm. Your story is not the center of the universe. Right. The God story is ongoing, and if I'm one of his created beings, then that has implications for what part of God's story am I uniquely designed to move forward? And that that can take really a lot of different way shapes and forms over the over a lifetime but yet this clear sense that um that there are some things in a in way of thinking that that helps me to decide what to say yes to and what mm-hmm. to say no to mm-hmm. and it's it's not even just like using it as a as a measuring stick as much as using that to say to 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 help me to discern is this next thing that that's coming up is this going to give me life mm-hmm. or not yeah you know is this in agreement with who I've been made to be it's mm-hmm. not a have to it's right. a want to and it's and it's about tapping into passion a lot of times that is oh my gosh, what if the world was filled with many, many more people that understood what what they're passionate about, mm-hmm. what good they're made to, to, to do, what wrong they're made to right, what, um, what beauty they're made to create, what, what needs to be restored, what needs to be redeemed, what needs to, who needs to be loved in very particular ways, what practical needs need to be met. If people understood where those passion points lie, I think what I observe so many times is that people are just kind of asleep at the wheel in their lives. Oh, yeah. I think they get up in the morning and they get ready and they go to work and then they have some meetings and they come home and they eat some dinner and they watch a little Netflix, right? Yeah. And then you get up and you do it all over again. And that kind of thing is is fine, except for the fact that if you... If you project yourself out 10 years from now and you have 10 years worth of that and then you look back at that 10 years and say, was that satisfying? Mm -hmm. Was that truly satisfying? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've only, with this this life that we've been given is a gift Mm -hmm. that at least I want to make the most of. Mm -hmm. And I want to help others make the most of. And that's part of, I mean, I, I, I can feel myself tearing up just saying it. Mm-hmm. This is what passion feels like. In me. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is too important not to do. Mm-hmm. This is just too important. Life is, life is precious. Life is short. Life is ripe with opportunities. And for gosh sakes, I don't want to sleep through it. No, and you want other people to know about it, right? Yeah. And so as you're talking, I'm hearing excitement, and that comes from the passion I think yeah. you're talking about. And uh, and I'm, I, I guess I'm feeling the other word that came to mind as you were speaking was freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's freedom in this. It's not like you're boxed into, well, you are this, and you need to be this way. Mm-hmm. It's more like 
I can say yes to this and no to that and I can feel good about it because that's me and that part isn't me, you know? Right. And sometimes to realize that not everybody has the freedom to choose whatever profession they Mm -mm, want. mm -mm. Um, There are very real practical bills to be paid and food to be put on the table and all, but yet there's also a purpose behind what, how we do what we do and the motivation behind what we do. Because sometimes a particular job, and, and I love, there's a quote by Peter Block that says, most jobs are too small for the human spirit. Hmm. It's a yeah, great one. That is a really good one. I mean, how many people do we know that have jobs that are too small for, the, for their human spirit? It's, it, it causes a restlessness in them. And even um, at some point in time, we had to interview my husband, Tom, about about the jobs he's had that haven't, it, it, they weren't scratching where he was itching, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and just realizing that there were ways to be of service that were in such alignment with who he's made to be um, that brought him to life. And so feeling alignment of purpose um, had to be found outside of a profession. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's probably true of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But yet, at its base, I mean, recognizing and responding to God in the midst of our life, and sometimes that means in the midst of very, very hard circumstances, um, is always going to be, I'll say that I don't use <laughs> definitive words like that very often, but always going to be more satisfying than going through anything without being able to recognize and respond to God in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as I look at those four statements that we talked about, clarifying, discerning, understanding, and deciding, it seems like one of those always kind of resonates with people. I would say it's the understanding yourself and your part in God's larger story. That was new. That was new for me to kind of think about God has this timeline that, you know, goes from eternity to eternity, essentially. And there's a dot on it there that's my life. And I started to recognize, like, I I need to live my life in a way that I see my life from God's perspective as best I can. And not just, you know, live a life day to day, heads down, just doing the same old thing I did, you know, the day before. So that was a huge that was a huge awakening, I think, for me in terms of story and why I, why I pursued the maps. Yeah, because there's usually a restlessness that comes mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form that gives birth to the desire to do this mm-hmm. kind of work. Because it's not for the faint of heart. No, it's not. But it's actually a lot easier than than getting to the end of your life full of regret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot better than that. Yeah. And uh, many times can be quite the adventure, but people have a perception on the way in sometimes that it's going to be really, really hard and really, really painful um, because they're going to have to relive some pain. Mm-hmm. And um, just because you've experienced pain in the pan doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to re-experience it. Um, but also maybe if there's some sadness or grief that needs to be, that never got expressed, maybe your body needs to actually release it Mm -hmm. and to be able to realize that, that, that I've never known a person who's 
never stopped crying. (laughs) That's true. You can shed a whole bucket of tears, but there's there's an end point to it from what I've experienced myself and what I've experienced Mm -hmm. in other people. And maybe that bucket load was exactly what was needed to cleanse something. Mm-hmm. along the way too so even though you might enter with some fear and trepidation but go reliving or or i should say revisiting um some of the valleys is not the whole thing it's Mm-mm. not a it, it's it's one piece of what he what what's in this and even there when we when we touch into those parts of the of the story it's in the context of how do we move through valleys not how do we get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the psalm says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't, doesn't say, yea, though I camp out in the, <laughs> and stay there and, stay and there. put up a house and, yeah. <laughs> and take up residence mm-hmm. in the valley um, in that way. But um, let's go back to the first one, clarify your desires. Um, how did how did Listen to My Life help you clarify your desires? I'm not sure I even knew I had desires, to be honest. There were parts of my life. I'm not sure that that was a thing or that that was an acceptable thing to have. A, acceptable thing. Tell me about that. Well, I, I grew up with parents who grew up in the Depression. Um, they They worked so hard. And, and there was a a piece in my life that was about kind of keeping the peace. My dad struggled with, uh, depression and anxiety. And so you, you kind of did what you were told to do. And I, I thought it was important in order to keep the peace was just to kind of toe the line. So naming a desire probably at that point in time growing up sounded would be very extravagant <laughs> so naming a desire of not making waves yeah um was was maybe how it had been done before mhm yeah and so it was much easier just to <clears throat> toe the line do good be a good girl um so i i'm not sure <clears throat> growing up at least probably until I got into college that I ever thought about, well, what do I really, you know, desire from my life? Um, and I did, I mean, I did well in school. I was often called out for things. I went to college. Um, I chose a career that I excelled in math and science and I had two brothers who were engineers. And so it seemed really natural and I enjoyed it. I really did. But um, I have a feeling there were some other desires underneath there that it wasn't just to be the um the female soulish engineer. No, the female soulish engineer or or soul and female engineer at that time. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's another way to put it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so doing this work actually helped me not just clarify, but I mean, by the time I did this work, I knew I had desires. Um. It helped me name them and start to put some words around them and what might it look like to express those and how might I engage God in those and uh, what's it going to look like in the world? Yeah, and what's it going to look like in my family? What's it going to mm-hmm. look like in my marriage? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I actually mm-hmm. have desires and want to express them, you know, right. what's, that, what's that look right. like for so, what I've been living with a bunch of people who 
know me as somebody who just conforms to whatever mm-hmm. their desires are. Right. 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 And uh, um, because if you don't know what your own desires are, you usually end up serving other people's desires, which mm-hmm. is not which is not a mistake. It's just that when you leave yourself out of the equation, somehow we end up dry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going through the motions. Right. Sleepwalking. Um, yeah. And and then also tamping them all down, pushing them all down. And, and a lot of times they get to be stuffed down and they get under pressure and then somehow something spews um, somewhere along the line. That's true. how that rolls. So, yeah, clarifying your desires is definitely a part of why people do life mapping. Um, when people hit a, hit a crossroads and they're not sure which way they want to go, um, they don't know what they want. I don't. Mm-hmm. If, if if you had to say what you want, how would you express that? And a lot of people would would stumble all over their words, trying to find a way to express that. Mm-hmm. And yet, sometimes it just takes a little bit to let it all bubble up, and mm-hmm. it takes a little bit of a pathway that's that's already uh, defined to be able to move in the direction of being able to clarify those desires. And, and it's so fascinating to me as, as, as I lead people through this process. And when we do these virtual groups, oh my goodness, what a beautiful thing that is when all of a sudden it just becomes apparent what it is that the desires are and that they're God-given desires and God God wants those desires to come because a lot of times the word desire even has been manipulated and, and, and shamed in a way that's like only if we have desires, those have to be bad desires. Mm-hmm. And sure, there are disordered desires and we have to name those for what they are. But a lot of times the disordered desires come to the surface because we haven't paid attention to our God-ordered desires. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. So I think this is incredibly important work to keep our life on track, keep us from blowing up our own life in various different ways. Mm-hmm. There's a great quote on the first map, I think, that goes really well with this. And it's, uh, it's from uh, Frederick Buechner. And he says, listen to your life. Uh, see it for the fathomless mystery it is, in the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it, because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. I love that. That's Frederick Buechner. From from what text is that? Um, now and then, a memoir of vocation. <clears throat> I'm not sure if you guys found that quote before you started the maps, and uh, but it it really does name what it means to, you know, live your life for Him to really clarify your desires and and see all of life. Not surprisingly enough, that that was in Sybil's file somewhere. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. No, not at all. Sybil is one of the most well-read people at the intersection of life story and spiritual development that I've ever, I've ever known. So, yeah, and that life itself is grace. It's a gift. Every moment. Mm-hmm. Every moment. And how do we, how do we put on lenses that help us to see it? Because there are other lenses that we can choose. I think it has to do with the lenses and I have to think it's where we're looking as well. Mm -hmm. 
I think when we fall into that pattern that we talked about earlier of going through this day, this routine day over and over and over again, oftentimes our sight is nose down to the table, to the work, to whatever's in front of us, and we don't we don't look up. Yeah. So the next one on the on the list is discern how your life story impacts the way you live today and your choices for tomorrow. Yeah. Discern how your life story impacts the way you live today and your choices for tomorrow. Yeah, basically to me this is this gets into this idea of well what have I taken in about what my life story is about and how it's supposed to be lived. And what of that do I need to question? What parts of that do I need to um, to take a fresh look at and decide if that's going to be the rule in my life or not? And um, my parents, in any case, my dad had some dreams and he had some desires and he was he was his dreams and desires were far too big for the small town he grew up in. There's no doubt about that. And it led him to the Air Force. He wanted to see the world and uh, ended up being a fighter pilot and then ended up being an airline pilot after that. And and that kind of of having a person like that in my life because he was told a story from depression era parents, right? That were, um, you, you stay on the farm and you do the family's work and this is how you live out your life, which is a very beautiful and very simple mm-hmm. way of being and living to be in a rhythm of if it's your calling. Um, if it's your purpose and and for him he he questioned all of it and questioned the small town um, voices that said no one ever leaves here you know and he was like want to bet mm-hmm. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he always had the want to bet <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing right. a good challenge was was only meant to be uh to, to ratchet up the stakes for 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 trying something and um, so I grew up with a dad who didn't buy it. <laughs> he didn't buy the, the party line on most things. And so I think that's just been a huge asset in my life. You know, the this, this storyline of, of him telling me you can do anything. And I mean, and I mean, for, from the small town farm boy, that he grew up being to ending up in the Air Force and being, I mean, he, he, he was in the Air Force at the point in time when they were using Air Force pilots to do test pilots to do uh, different kinds of tests to, to figure out what kinds of tests they should do to pick astronauts. And, and he sees him, himself still as someone who, who missed by a hair um, the opportunity to be an astronaut. Like what point in time and what place on the earth do you have to to have to be, you know, in the, in the whole timeline of of of, of existence to be that close mm-hmm. to being one of the first astronauts? That's cool, you know. And um, so he always thought, oh man, just by like a just a quarter of a hair's worth <laughs> in history. It was off just a little bit, but the adventurer in him would have taken that on in a heartbeat. 
And um, so him telling me, you can do anything. And I'll, there was this, this sense of, but I don't know what anything I want to do. <laughs> you know, that brought up the next question for me. So I think those things were stirring in me from very young that, well, what do I really want? And what are those those desires? And what is this story telling me? And, and when I think about, you know, our story begins before we're born because who our parents are and how they were mm-hmm. shaped. That's right. It definitely has a piece of that too. Mm-hmm. This one in particular, the, the choices part in this discerning statement stands out to me that we have a choice every day how we're going to live our life. And I think there are far too many out, people out there, and I probably believe this at some point in time too, that, you know, they just think life is happening to them and that they don't have choices in it. And so uh, that's that's what stood out to me there. Yeah, and at some other time I'll, I'll tell the story of, of some prisoners that have gone mm-hmm. through yeah. this and the perspective changes for for people that have been so significant on how they do prison time mm-hmm. <laughs> and is significantly different, our mindset. And so being able to choose how we view what we're going through and as opposed to just running toward comfort all the time to to take to have the wisdom to be able to question the restlessness or question the pain mm-hmm. in a way and say saying what is it that it's that, that I'm to learn here mm-hmm. and also how do I do this in a way that I that I live through it not just endure it right and what is God asking me to notice in mm-hmm. the midst of it how do I keep how do I keep recognizing and responding to God even in, in the difficulties? Not not just because this is how I've been told what it is. So then what is it that, uh, what's the perspective that God would invite me to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, understand yourself and your part in God's larger story. What do you want to say about that? Hmm. I think it's the understand. You know, I spoke earlier about getting to the point in my life where I realized that there was a larger story going on and that my life connected to that. I'm definitely um, a person who loves the idea of connecting the dots and helping other people connect the dots in their story to God's story. And that's where this came from of recognizing that um, there is this larger story going on. My life connects to it, and my life's an important part of it, and my life matters. My life matters to God. And so understanding that uh, connection uh, was a super important piece of, piece of this work. Yeah, and how do I even begin to understand myself, let alone God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of the the visual maps of listen to my life, we have this life story stuff going on, and we it intersects with spiritual practices that help us to connect with God along the way, connect with ourselves and God along the way. And I think that unique combination is kind of a perfect storm of of potential <laughs> mm. for being able to. Um, to see yourself, to recognize 
um, some uniquenesses because we only know what it's like to be ourselves. It's not like we see ourselves as, as you know, we, we might think that we're just normal mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to unique in, in some various different ways. And, and in some ways we are just common. In other ways we're, we're unique. And the it's a both and. But yet, in the midst of that, if we understand what God's story is about, that he's about redeeming and restoring and loving and, and creating and making things beautiful and, and, uh, um, and doing good and, and enjoying life. I mean, I've often said that I think taste buds are evidence enough that God exists, right? <laughs> like there is this taste and see that God is good part in the midst of this, that understanding yourself and your part in God's larger story, would do you want to join in the flow of redeeming and restoring and loving and making things beautiful and taste good? And and do you want to be in the flow of, of things that are making the world a better place? Or do you want to put yourself outside of that or neutral to it? Mm-hmm. which is outside of it, mm-hmm. that flow too. And sometimes the best way we can experience God is actually putting ourselves intentionally in the flow of love and healing and redemption and all of those things. That's great. So, so then there's the last one. Decide what you might do to live a life that is a more full expression of who God created you to be. Yes, decide what you might do. So, yeah, that gets down to toward the end of the maps. There's a, uh, the last one, in fact, is called following forward, as in following Jesus forward. And it is, um, what are you going to do with all of it? So it's not, it's, it's a, what are you going to, how are you going to be? And what are you going to do? I've often, I've often thought about the fact that, um, I use my, my electronic calendar too much. Uh, I'd like to move off of that and also use a um, a written planner because I I have a I have a way of 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 tracking and being visual about about things. But I always wanted a, a planner that said to do list for the day, but also before that a to be list. Mm-hmm. How do I want to be today? Right. <laughs> And if I pay to t- if if I keep paying attention, and I ask myself those questions, which I often do. I know what I need to do, but how do I want to be in the midst of those things? Mm, that's good. You know, even if it's going to the gym this morning, what does that mean in terms of how I want to be at the gym? What does that mean about the kind of I want to be grateful for the body I have that can move? I want to I want to be grateful. I want to be intentional about my health. I want to be aware of the people that are around me. I want to be um, someone who lifts other people up. I want to be an encourager. So even if it's just going to the gym or even how am I going to go to the grocery store? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how do I want to be to the person that's checking me out? Um, it gets down to those decisions. So it's not it's it's how I do what I do that I want to I want to be a certain kind of person. And sometimes it takes some awareness and some thought to decide those things ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Because I can easily go to the gym and be going, I can't wait till this is over. (laughs) 
<laughs> dreading it and and all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, that that be and the do are uniquely interwoven and in these these visual maps of listen to my life it's it's kind of like they're fused together to create this perfect storm of having you become more aware of who you are and how you play a part in God's story and what mm-hmm. he's doing mm-hmm. that trickle down to those kinds of simple decisions as well as the big decisions right. of what profession I'm going to choose or where I'm going to live or mm-hmm. you know what's most important mm-hmm. uh, to me in life. Yeah, that being and doing is important for sure. I just read an article my brother sent me about uh, this guy and how he interviews people. And uh, one of the things he looks for is like, let's say he has a summer intern and one of his interview questions at the end of the summer to determine if he's staying is, so can you tell me the janitor's name and the lady at the front desk, do you remember her name? And if the person doesn't know it, he's like, you know, they're good doers. (laughs) But they haven't been good beers, you know, and I'm like, oh, pretty interesting. They're the kind of people you want to be with. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to be doing a lot of life together. A lot more than a lot of people see their families. Yeah. Right. Exactly. When you're in a 40 hour job, which turns into a 60 hour job sometimes. Yeah. The other thing he did, which I thought was interesting, too, is he would take a potential candidate out to breakfast and he would arrive early, have be a man, he would arrive early and have the server um, tell them that he would like them to make a big mistake in the order of the person who's going to be interviewed. And then he watches how the interviewer handles it. Mm-hmm. And once again, you know, he's he's observing and making decisions about these people he wants to be with and do life with and do work with mm-hmm. based on what kind of human they have chosen, yes. you know, to be. Yes, and I mean, my um, my son uh, brings a lot of friends around, and um, he's he's in his senior year of college. So a lot of the guys that are, have been around for a long time have been around during break here and all. And these guys are just good human beings. Mm-hmm. They're good humans, and I, I I often say that my son has good a good friend picker, <laughs> and. Uh, um, and he now he's engaged, and he's done an excellent job of of uh, of uh, a spouse picker. <laughs> he's, he's got a good spouse picker too. And yeah, these these human beings. Who do we want? What kind of humans do we want to be with in the midst of this adventure of life? And then also, what kind of human being do I want to be <laughs> mm-hmm. for the people around me? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, funerals are wildly. Uh, informative, you know, and influential in terms of what kind of life you want to live. And a lot of times you, you hear stories and you think, okay, is, are are these the kinds of stories that would define, that I want to define my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and how do I want to shape my life um, in a way that there's no regrets? Right. Yeah, being in the flow of what God's up to in the world is what I want to choose. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and God is more winsome, inviting, uh, humorous, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and just fun and good, just good. Then so many times we have maybe the paint the the 
the ways he's been painted or the ways we've taken it in, regardless of how it's been painted. Um, so to really get to know that God that is good, mm-hmm. that is so, so good, mm-hmm. and his intentions for us, what, what kind of life does he want to live through us? Right where we are, right in who he's made us to be. Um, it's a good God, and we can be in the we can be right in the flow with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the invitation of listen to my life is ter- terms of why why people would want to do life story work. So, um, thanks for the conversation, Joan. Yeah, it was really great to be it. here. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run a little. Um, piece on the end here that tells you a little bit about how you can be in touch with us and we'd sure really like for you to subscribe and rate and review uh, this podcast and pass it on. Uh, We want to be able to invite more people into this kind of work and we also want to equip more facilitators to be um, on site ready for groups of people to experience us together because the relationships are incredible. So check out when our next uh, virtual class starts. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, If this episode goes out before the end of January, we do have a a group starting uh, January 28th. um, And we would love to have you join in. Oh my goodness, you can be wherever you are um, and be able to join in with us. So We'll give you more information about that in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life? and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes. If you've wondered any of these things before, you're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E. M-A-P-S dot com.